I'm Marissa Norcross. And I'm Dave Freud, and this is The Next Page. Marissa, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I, well, I, I am very good. I am tired, but yeah. I'm good. It's, yeah, it's been, it's been a long day. Mm-hmm. So I always ask the question, mm-hmm. so you know what's going to come. So when I sent the post yesterday, what were your thoughts with the title, Do You Care Enough? Well, you know, I always like titles that have questions because I immediately know that, you know, I'll, I'll have to do some thinking while reading through the posts. Um, but I, I really like this one. I think it's another one of those um, really straightforward yeah. ideas that is just like, oh, yeah, like, why haven't I thought of that kind of thing? Um, and I'm happy that we, we are splitting this into two parts. So we'll get a chance right. to talk through, um, talk through everything in full. Yeah. So, you know what I had read something, uh, a couple of weeks back that talked about, you know, from a leader's perspective, do you care enough and, and do you care enough to have tough conversations with people? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we say, oh, yes, yes, absolutely. I care. And then I'm like, Really? So you would allow your friend, your direct report, your colleague, whatever, to go down a path that might be dangerous for them or something that might, maybe you allow bad behaviors or or inappropriate behaviors or whatever it might be to continue without engaging in a conversation to say, hey, can I just tell you what I'm seeing from my perspective? Mm-hmm. And 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 what I so it really was it was kind of like a sobering thing for me because we know that you know I I think I had a post sometime maybe in May or June um when when I talked about but I just wanted to be liked it's it's kind of in that same vein but this time I drilled down I and I found 10 specific things that we can do to have these conversations better not notice I didn't say easier right <laughs> I said better and, and we're going to split it into, we're going to talk about five today, and we're going to talk about five next week. And so let's just jump in. The, the first tip or principle is confront as soon as possible. And this has always been a challenge for me, and maybe it's because I'm always hoping that people will get better on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I give people the benefit of the doubt, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, but what that really means. But I would always just say, well, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I just missed something. Maybe they're just having a bad day. When the reality is the longer we wait to raise the concern, typically the worse it gets. It was funny when I read this one, I immediately thought of the post from earlier this year um, about, you know, I just want to be liked. Yeah. And second, I read that, you know, confront as soon as possible. And then you said, this has always been a challenge for me. It's immediately the post I thought of. I think that's a challenge for a lot of people. I don't think you're alone there is that, you know, it is, you know, sometimes it's just like easier to to think, oh, it'll get better or I'll deal with it later or, you know, when it gets this bad, then I'll address it. And and you're right. it, It just about, you know, almost always it gets worse it does because what happens is our unspoken um critique or our unspoken engagement becomes almost like tacit approval mm-hmm. to continue and i 
And I did put this this note in here, you know, please remember that unspoken expectations are planned disappointments. Mm -hmm. So we may be the reason that things went wrong in the first place. Mm -hmm. So simply engage, just say, hey, you know, I perhaps I didn't make this clear or perhaps I didn't explain it well, but this is exactly what I need in terms of throughput, performance, whatever it might be. I, I just I just had a just got off a coaching call and a great leader that's really struggling with a manager that she knows she needs to deal with. And she's having the conversations, at least it sounds like she's having them, but it's not getting better. And she just, it's, she needs to confront it more strongly um, or stronger. I forgot. I don't know what's the exact. You're the, the better English person. <laughs> she needs to be stronger in her approach to this. And I, and I was just encouraging her, you know, Okay, so let's get back to so-and-so. What are we going to do? And when are you going to do it? And it came to do it now. Don't wait. It's not going to... If you don't confront this, it's only going to get worse. So number two was address the wrong action, not the person. Mm -hmm. and, and too often we think, well, we don't want to make it personal. It doesn't have to be. It's, we're talking about the activity, the action that's, that's incorrect. And we can, we can separate that from the person when we do this critiquing. Um, you know, one, one of, the, one of the, the, the phrases that I've used in the past is pinpoint the problem. Mm -hmm. Don't attack the person. Because you, it, we're looking at a behavior. So if, if, we, if we identify the specific problem we're going to talk more about that in in step five but if we get if we focus on the action what took place we don't have and we and we we identify the the details of it we don't have to make it personal and then we can find a way to really encourage the person to 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 improve the situation to change a behavior type of thing and it really by by refocusing on the action we help them realize that we're not upset with them Mm -hmm. We're upset with what was done. And, and I think this is something that, you know, now as a grandfather, I wish I would have thought about that as a father. You know, when, when my kids did something, when they disobeyed, when they did something that I wasn't happy with, I think too often it was personal rather than saying, can I just share with you this behavior thing here? You know, I'm unhappy with the action. I'm not unhappy with the person. So mm -hmm. again, it gives us another one of these these tips to kind of engage and really um, in, in, in engage the person and work in a path of getting some correct behaviors here. Number three is confront what the person can change. And and this this helps us too. You know, as we reflect on what's happened, is it something the person can actually do something about? Um, is it a, is it, um, uh, an aptitude question or is it a work performance question? So, you know, as better than anybody in my family, outside of my family, anybody I've ever worked with that I struggle with grammar issues or I struggle with usage issues, uh, punctuation type things. Um, now if I would have my boss jumping all over me about that, I'm going to get a lot less work done. Um, I'm not going to be focusing on my strengths. And even when I'm done doing the best I can do, 
it's going to be mediocre at best because it's not my giftedness. And and I don't know if I've ever told you this. So be, when when I first started, when I remember when Randy said to me, Dave, you need to write every week. Mm-hmm. And you said to me, it's no problem. I'll take a look at it. I'll edit it before it goes out. I would write it and give it to either my wife or my son to read before I sent it to you. Mm-hmm. Because I was embarrassed. I didn't want to look stupid. Um, I also have software running on top of Word to help me with it. Now, I don't show it to my family anymore. <laughs> hey, Marista's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of what David writes. There's no point in wasting my family's time. Um, but that, that to me is the example. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody was harping on Dave's proofreading, <laughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. It's not, and again, I'm not mailing it. I'm not just saying I can't do it. I'm saying I'm not good at it. And no matter what I do, I'll never be good at it. So I use that as an example. Is this something the person can really change? Or are they the right person on the right bus, but in the wrong seat? And oftentimes that can help us. Mm-hmm. Number four, um, give the person the benefit of the doubt. Now, some might say, well, why isn't that number one? I, I don't think this is any particular order, but I, I, think, I think you need to kind of go through some of those other steps first. But so giving the benefit of the doubt, it doesn't mean that we don't engage in the conversation about the issue. What it means is that we start the conversation by asking questions rather than telling or making statements. Could you tell me what happened here? Could you explain to me why this occurred? Can you, you know, what were, what were your thoughts when this and this happened or when you did this and this and this? It really allows us to determine facts from perspective. You know, I can, I can, I can understand what's happening. I can understand why perhaps they did what they did. Now, it doesn't mean I excuse it. It doesn't mean that I excuse the behavior in any way, shape, or form. It just means I'm looking at it differently. And then number five is be specific. The more specific we are with our concerns, the easier it will be to find a path forward. And I like that key part there, finding that path forward. Because too often, people think of discipline, and I'll use that word as, as punishment. Discipline, the root word of discipline is disciple. So I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to mentor, I'm trying to help a person change some behavior here. So I really want to disciple this person. I want this person to see a better path forward. And if I'm sticking with the specifics, it allows me to stay away from things that might be personal attacks and move forward with things that would be a path forward, a, a positive outcome. So my, my question for you, Marissa, is why... Why do you think people are afraid to confront issues? Well, I, I think, like how you said, this isn't going to make it easier. You know, it's not something that's easy. It's, you know, puts us in a, an uncomfortable space, I think. Well, yeah. maybe if you do it enough times, maybe it's not so uncomfortable, but at least a, a more vulnerable place. And I think, you know, reading through these five um most of them, there's really like an art to it. There's a 
a level mm. of finesse that's required to address the wrong action and not the person. Um, yes. Because in your mind, you could be addressing the action, but not the person, but your your words could say something different or your body language right. could say something different, especially if you didn't confront as soon as possible and you held it in and you told yourself things in your head and and told stories that may have not been true about the person or about the situation. Um, and, it, and it can really unravel quickly from there. So I, I think that... Um, it's intimidating to do these things, to have it these is. difficult conversations. And um, sometimes, at least for me, it can feel like, you know, if you have one misstep or one stumble along the way that the whole conversation is lost, the whole thing is lost and, you you know, you could have done some damage. So there, it's high stakes. Yeah, exactly. It's it's high stakes. And you're, you're always worried that you're going to create more damage than than move in a positive direction. And, you know, one of the things I love about um, the crucial conversations model that, that we teach at MACNE is to start, before we ever start down the path of a crucial conversation, we work on our first, ourselves first. And, and I love, when I, whenever I do that teaching, I just, it really resonates with me. Work on me first. Before I, have, before I engage in that conversation with someone, I need to figure out where am I? <clears throat> excuse me and and typically we're stuck in some way something's not working something's not moving forward and and one of the tools that we tell people to use in crucial conversations is to kind of unpack unbundle the problem and we they have us using the the, the acronym CPR which is easy for us to understand CPR but the, what they're saying here with with crucial conversations is the C stands for content you know, are we talking about a single instance of a problem? The P is a pattern. Is this a pattern of behavior over time? And, um, and the R is relationship, how the problem is affecting your relationship. And so as you start thinking about this, is, you know, what is the thing that I need to address? Is it a single instance? Is it a pattern? How is it affecting the relationship? And this is the, the first phase that you need to kind of work through. And it allows you to get clarity on what it is you need to address and how you should address it. And then the second part of that working on me first is start with the heart. And I love that. And the questions that we ask ourselves is, you know, um, what am I behaving like I want? Mm -hmm. Now, so if I use that as just an example, if I don't address a concern I am behaving like I want that concern to continue. Let me say that again. If there's a concern and I'm not addressing it, I am behaving like I want it to continue. So if it doesn't change, there's nobody to blame but me because I did not engage in that conversation. And then the second part of starting with the heart is what results do I really want? And this, this is a really telling thing. What results do I want? What do I want for myself? What do I want for others? What do I want for the relationship? And what do I want for the organization? And it really causes us to check our motives. You know, am I engaging in a conversation because I want to punish somebody? If the answer to the question is yes, don't. 
because nothing good's going to come from it. You know, we're not we're not interested in punishment. We're looking at at changing a behavior. We're looking at improving a situation. So what do I want for myself? I I I really would like less stress. I'd like less tension. I really would like this person to succeed. Mm-hmm. What do I? And I guess that kind of branches over into what do I want? For, what do I want for them? I really want them to to succeed. I want them to take what I need to share with them in a, in a way that this becomes a a positive learning experience something that's going to that's going to bring forth good fruit so to speak rather than negative fruit what do i want for our relationship well i would want our relationship to be stronger i want them to see me as as a mentor and a friend not just a boss i want them to see me as as a leader that they can they they want to work with and then clearly for our organization the organization needs to flourish and thrive and so for that to happen this person needs to adjust whatever it is that seems to be going wrong at this time. So I really love those, those you know, unpacking it um, and then, you know, starting with the heart. And then the last thing on starting with me first, and this is kind of where I'll start to wind down this episode, is what stories am I telling myself before I even engage in the conversation? And what happens is we see something and we begin to, tell ourselves a story. So we see an activity, we see a behavior, we tell ourselves a story. That story creates an emotion within us and then we act. And the interesting thing about it is that if we can separate fact from our story, we can change the story that we're telling ourselves. If we change the story we're telling ourselves, we can change the way we're feeling. And that will change how we act. So that whole, and, and what happens is most of the time we find evidence to reinforce a story that we already think exists rather than looking for contrary evidence to whatever it is that we might be seeing. So again, we're going to unpack it with CPR. Is it a content? Is it a pattern? You know, what's it doing to the relationship? We're going to check our hearts. What are we behaving like we really want for ourselves, for the organization, for the other person, for the relationship? And then are we telling ourselves any stories that might not be helpful? And all of those things will help us deal with these five points. Confront as soon as possible. Address the wrong action. Confront the person. Confront what the person can change. Give the person the benefit of the doubt and be specific about what it is we're talking about. So those are our first five. Are any of those, do you think, hard to understand the way I explained it? No, I don't, I don't think they're hard to understand. I think they're more difficult to put in practice. <laughs> they really are. And, and I think if we, if we would take a moment, and you know, when I talk about confronting as soon as possible... I'm talking about don't let it linger. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying as soon as I see the behavior, I need to act. Although I did hear of a situation like that um, where a leader, and it was totally appropriate. He observed someone doing something totally in a, what happened was somebody walked into the facility without greeting some customers. And um, the person that was the, the senior leader said to the customer, could you excuse me for a moment? And he followed the leader 
into his office and said, what did you just do? And he wanted to have, he needed to seize that moment to, because it must have been a concern that he had been pondering for some time. And then he found the moment when it was best to strike, so to speak, with, with engaging the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess strike is a bad analogy to use there. But anyways, people know what I mean. But take the time to think it through, to make your plan, and then act once your heart's in the right place. So next week, we're going to talk about five more. Mm-hmm. I won't say what they are. And we'll get into so- some of these are a little bit harder to, um, to explain. So I'm going to try to make sure that I take enough time to really exp- explain what I mean by them. Anything you think I missed on these first five? No, no, I think, I think we covered it. All right. And isn't it hard to believe that school is right around the corner? It, it really is. It's like that time of summer where, you know, it's a, it always feels really slow at first. And it's like, you know, summer's going to last forever. And then you get to this point in August where it's just like, Zooming downhill towards Well, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Like toilet paper at the end of the roll. It just goes really, really quick. <laughs> yes. In fact, my grandkids in Ohio start school next week. Wow. Is that not insane? Mm-hmm. Well, in the South, you wow. know, I've got friends in Florida and Georgia, and their kids have already started school. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, thankfully, here in New York State, we have a few more weeks yet. Yes, we do. So with that, I'm Dave Freund. I'm Marissa Norcross. This was The Next Big Thing.